Welcome to One City Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message by Chris Conley. For more information, please visit our website at onecitymemphis.org. All right, so this is the third week of our series, The Promises of Christmas. I have been trying to get to Isaiah uh, chapter 9, verses six and seven for three weeks and haven't managed to do it just yet. So uh, prayerfully today, we will actually talk about wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. But as we do that today, in the midst of these promises, and a lot of these promises have been fulfilled, and then see the, the promises of God, they typically have a point in time initiation, a point in time experience where they interrupt everything and then they have continuing results. And so there are certain promises that God has made to us that we have received, but it's just the beginning of what we're receiving and it's just the beginning of the fulfillment of that promise and how it comes true to us and then through us to others. These promises are alive and well today. These promises are not past tense. These are present tense and future tense promises. Now, what we've seen the last couple weeks is that the promise of Christmas is the promise of light and love over darkness and distress. There was an enormous amount of darkness in their world. Every time there is darkness, darkness creates distress. Every time the church is growing, there's an increase of light and love. Every time the church is decreasing, unfortunately, when there's a decrease of light, there's an increase of darkness. The church in our country and in many places around the world is decreasing. Our God has not decreased. The promises of our God have not decreased. The promises are fully available to all of us. But in order for the promises of God to increase, we have to allow Christ to increase in us. May he increase and may we decrease, right? And so as we look at this, Christmas is also the promise of peace and joy. And yet there's such a lack of peace today. People struggle with so many different problems, so many different pains, so many different levels of tension and stress and anxiety. And, and I get it. You will have trouble in this world, but I have overcome the world. And we must remember that he is an overcomer and that he gives us the ability to overcome. So what we see time and time again is this word, do not despair. A light shall arise in the darkness. So I want to give you a word for this Christmas season. He says, do not despair. This is easy to do. Stop focusing on the problems. All right, that's easy to do. Start focusing on the promises. 
And I promise the more you'll focus on the promises, the smaller the problems will get. But the more you focus on the problems, the bigger they get. All right? And so you might think the best way to solve your problem is to focus on the problem, but we have an inability to solve our own problems, but God through us can solve the problems. So why is this so important? Because the promise of Christmas is that light will come to those who are living in darkness. And you go, well, I I don't know that I'm living in darkness. Well, you live among a people. You live in a world that is battling darkness all the time. There are times that darkness influences you and impacts you even when you're doing the right thing. See, God promises in this that he will defeat the enemy and thus all enemies. And then the son of God, now listen to this. The son of God will justly rule the kingdom with mercy and grace. Can anyone else promise you that? That we would have a ruler who is just and full of mercy and grace. That is extraordinary. It is remarkable. And it's actually a promise of God. And so Isaiah chapter nine, starting verse six says, for to us, to us, a child is born. And to us, a son is given. Imagine Saturday night, instead of Santa coming down the chimney, imagine your holy father walks in and places before you his baby boy. He says, this is my gift to you. It stops everything. It changes everything. It's impossible for your heart not to respond. This morning I was holding Justin and Nicola's little girl, Alexandria. And literally, I think something in the chemistry of your body changes when you hold a child. Like you talk different and you really don't care who hears you talk different. And everything else in the world disappears but trying to capture that little child's attention. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. We'll talk more about the fullness of what that means. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Your ruler is called Wonderful Counselor. Your ruler Your leader is called Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. See, the increase, the government shall fall upon his shoulders. And and, and that word fall upon his shoulders is it's like a military ranking that they would wear their office, their, their leadership on their shoulder. And he says, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. 
Doesn't it break your heart when you see people have a broken heart? We're becoming a little bit numb to brokenness. 24-7 news that's really more driven by ratings and clicks than reporting actual news makes us hear just bad, 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 bad all the time. And there's a part of you that knows that your soul just can't handle bad, 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 bad all the time. And so you either silence it, turn it off or something because it just, you get numb to it. But there is a part of the pain in this world that we need to tune into because we are called to be the peace makers. It says, on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness. He's going to uphold the kingdom with justice and righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, now watch this, the zeal of the Lord, the passion of the Lord, the Lord of hosts, he will do this. So the ancient of days becomes an infant. How fascinating is that? The one who is beyond time enters into time. And when we see that this child is born, this son is given, this is the foundation of all of our hope. It is the foundation of all of our joy. But it's also the end of our fear. See, he's replacing fear with faith, faith in who this son becomes as our savior. But also, how about this one? And I know we still experience this right here in the moment, but long-term, he is the end of grief. That he will wipe every tear away from our eyes. What an extraordinary promise. Would you try to comprehend the global, the historical significance of a baby being born? A baby that lives 33 years. A baby that goes from the crib to the cross. And we're talking about this baby today. We're singing about this baby today. We're talking about the need to bow our knee to this baby today. We're talking about this baby is our only hope today. You can't make that up. You can't write that good of a story. The fairy tale would end at some point. It says, the government shall be upon his shoulders. And so, like I told you, there's this military kind of concept, this, this ranking that's worn on the shoulder. And, and we see something kind of pointing to this in Isaiah 22, 22. It says, I will place on his shoulder the key of the house of David. And he shall open and none shall shut. And he shall shut and none shall open. Now, when I was studying this and it pointed me to Isaiah twenty two twenty two, that pointed me to a prophetic word that I received the first week of November. And again, I always want to repeat and kind of educate in this so that we don't take things out of context. 
you know, a prophetic word is that word of encouragement. It's a word that builds up. It's a word that comforts or consoles. It's a word that's more about preparation than just prediction. But I was in California and this man walks up to me and I've never met this man before. And he says, "Um, I believe God gave me a word for you. Do you mind if I share it? And I said, well, let me put my voice memo on and record this so that I can make sure I can go back and really understand what you were saying. And so this is kind of, he, uh, it's a, I've, I've transcribed it. He said, the Lord told me to give you the scripture, Isaiah twenty-two, twenty-two. I sense it will resonate with you. And then he reads the scripture and I will place on his shoulder the key of the house of David. He shall open and none shall shut. He shall shut and none shall open. He says, this verse is going to mean something to you in the days ahead. It's going to resonate with your spirit. You're going to see it time and time and time again. He knows nothing about me, never met me, doesn't even know if I'm a pastor. I sense the Lord has you on a journey, but you're walking in intimacy, absolute obedience, favor, and divine assignments. And he says, the house will be full. And then he looks at me and he goes, again. God is going to direct you. Your greatest dreams are yet to be accomplished. The latter days will be greater than your former days. Now here's a word for you. You will have many spiritual sons and daughters. They will become some of your greatest pride and joy. It's not your own accomplishment, but your ceiling will become their floor. They will start at your ceiling. Listen, hear me. There's this mistake that people can make sometimes that they put their pastor on a pedestal and they think I can never walk with God like him. He's a paid professional. She's a paid professional. Our ceiling becomes your floor. We equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Would you run, get in this race, and please run so fast that I have to sprint to try to catch up with you? See, I want my son and daughter to have more than I've ever been, had in my own life. I want my son and daughter to have every blessing possible. And I want them to love the Lord more than I love the Lord. And I want them to become greater than, do things greater than I've ever done. That's the heart of the Father. He says, they will use your example of faithfulness as a stepping stone. They will be your greatest victories. They will be your greatest joy. Your heart will be to see your sons and daughters in the Lord find their highest accomplishments in the Lord. Zoe, Bree, that's you. I can pick out many people, but God, my eye just caught you. Each one of you in different ways. Every experience that God gives all of us as the family, we're a family. We're not an organization. We're not a place you attend on Sunday morning. We are a family. Every experience he gives the family, we use that experience in the family to advance every other member of the family. This man says, I sense that the Lord's going to open doors that no man can open. He's going to shut doors and protect you from doors that you shouldn't go through. 
This is a time of divine alignment. And I really believe that's a word all of us need to grab a hold of. What does it look like for us to enter 2023 with divine alignment? And when I end this message today, I'm gonna try to give you some tools to have divine alignment. He says, this is a word for you. Divine alignment is coming. It is coming because he's expanding your territory. He's expanding your influence. What seemed to be dead, what the enemy meant for destruction, God is going to multiply in this season. This is a season of rejoicing. This is a season of favor. This is a season of holy obedience. I want to increase your faith today. I want you to hear testimonies that you don't go, oh, well, that's a great testimony. You go, if God can do that for him, God can do that for me. I want my testimony to become your testimony, to become our testimony, so that the city will see that they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and that they loved even their own lives, not unto death. See, a few more stories. We're trying to create a sound. And Karen and I were in a meeting on Friday of all places at High Point Church. So we were part of a meeting and it was not, uh, let me just always have to say this. I want nothing but blessing for High Point Church. Nothing but blessing. The meeting wasn't through High Point Church. We were just using this great place called The Hub (laughs) that has this great meeting room. And um, we were having a conversation about how do we get white people more engaged in unifying our city. And this lady that's a consultant from Denver, she said, they're, they're, you know, this, this city is a, a city that's known by sound. We need a new sound. Instead of just like white artists, instead of just black artists, you know, we need a sound where there's a unified sound coming forth. And... You know, we are in the process of creating a record label called Blues to Beauty Records. Because see, King David always starts out singing the blues in the Psalms. But somewhere in the middle of the Psalm, he has an encounter with God. And then he ends the Psalm singing from a place of beauty. And so we don't want Memphis to be known just as the home of the blues. And we leave people in the blues. We want Memphis to be transformed and to be known as a place of watch the name of the city is this. Memphis means enduring beauty, a place of beauty. And so we're trying to put together, we're trying to grow from within our church to be a church of diversity, but we're also trying to put together a worship team of diversity and and a unique sound. We're writing songs. And this past week, a friend calls me. He goes, hey, I got somebody I want you to meet. And he puts me on a three-way call. And he goes, Hey, I want to introduce you to Boo Mitchell. You're like, who's that? Willie Mitchell's his dad. Willie Mitchell founded Royal Studios. Willie Mitchell was responsible for all of Al Green's gold records. Royal Studios is one of the most historical places, not just in Memphis, in this nation. Some of the greatest artists 
that you can imagine have come through there. There's a documentary I'd encourage you to watch called Take Me to the River. And he introduced me. And I said, hey, listen, we're trying to create this unified worship. We want to create this record label. I'm trying to build this team. Can you help me? He said, consider it done. So like I meet with him this week. See, there's God's orchestrating things. But see, we don't want just a new sound. We want a sound that understands that the gospel really originated out of the pain of slavery and the pain of oppression. And they would sing songs, not because they had a better day, but in anticipation of a better day. See, a new song ushers in a new day. But see, then the gospel stirs the soul and it influenced every other genre of music. But Memphis, in many ways, has kind of lost its sound and not really capitalized on its sound. And if we are a distribution around the world for FedEx, and if we, you know, kind of in many ways created the modern day hotel through Holiday Inn, and if we created things like AutoZone and, and we distribute, you know, barbecue, basketball, and the blues around the world. If we have the king of rock and roll, the king of soul, and the king of blues, why can't we have the king of the gospel come back on the throne? So, as we're trying to follow the Lord's vision, see, it's not my vision, not Karen's vision, it's the Lord's vision. And see, he's, re, he's committed to restoring his vision. He's committed to building his vision. Well, he gave us this great facility at, you know, Walnut Grove and I-240, this old Jewish synagogue. And we've been trying to restore and been trying to build that. And, you know, the last two weeks, it rained like two weeks in a row. It never rains like two weeks in a row in Memphis, right? Well, there's a blessing in a, uh, you know, uh, in the rain, I guess, that didn't feel like a blessing. So right now we're trying to repair the roof instead of replace the roof because it would cost like $800,000 to replace the roof. Well, in repairing the roof, well, you know, we had identified all the leaks and there was like, it would cost us $68,000 to do that. And that was like already $8,000 over the budget that we had allotted for that. Well, with all the rain, guess what? The blessing occurred that there's so many more leaks than we ever realized, right? (laughs) And if truth be told, you really need to replace the roof instead of repair the roof. And so I went through with pictures and, you know, took pictures and circled this. And then I walked the roofer through and he's like, basically, you're asking me to patch the whole roof, you know? (laughs) And so... I was like, listen, I don't have the money. We just need to get this place kind of secure, airtight, so that there's not leaks and there's not, you know, wetness and moisture and mold and all that kind of stuff. And so give me a quote. He came back and he said, he gave me a quote. You know, if you want to do this, 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 that's 95,000. If you want to do this, it's 50,000. And I was like, well, I ain't got 50,000, much less 95,000, but let me kind of go back. And so yesterday morning, I'm, got my, you know, computer out. I'm trying to figure out the budget. I'm trying to figure out, well, when's this kind of money going to come in? And what's our, how much money do we bring in? How much money do we have? Can we do this? Can we do that? How in the world do I make this happen? And I came out and like, like, oh my gosh, we, 
we still got a lot more things that need to happen, but this has to happen. How's this going to happen? And, you know, getting a little bit stressed and a little bit worried. So I just close the laptop. So I'm going to go upstairs. I'm going to have my priority time and I'm going to pray. Toward the end of my priority time, I get a phone call. And a friend calls. He goes, hey, I got good news for you. God just told me to give you $50,000. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Yeah. You know, we've been doing this building one city campaign. Um, You know, today you're supposed to turn in your cards. If for some reason you're not prepared, we will always take your money whenever, okay? But it would be helpful if you would do this before the end of the year, okay? Um, But not counting any of that, not counting anything that you have given, gifts from people who do not currently go to our church this fall with that gift exceeded $500,000. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Now, what would you do if you were me yesterday and you did the budget? You're like, oh, okay. I'm gonna go have my priority time. I'm gonna pray and the phone rings and literally someone, this is literally, he said, said, I don't, you know, I don't know that I really hear from God very well, but I think I heard God say, I'm supposed to give you $50,000. What would you do if that happened to you? (laughs) Amen. Curtis, I actually did say that. I said, you are hearing loud and clear. Here's the reason why I asked the question. That can happen to you. You know what needs to happen for that to happen for you? You got to be in divine alignment. See, in John chapter 15, it says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. And listen, I've done that throughout my life of like, okay, God, I want to win a golf tournament, you know, and I didn't win the golf tournament, you know. Um, but here's what it means. Your abiding determines your asking. And see, when you're asking according to your abiding, then your abiding creates an asking that creates divine alignment. So, I had all this info about wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace, Everlasting Father, I was going to give you all these verses. Just know those names mean what they mean. They're really, really good names, okay? We're going to keep going, all right? So, in Prince of Peace, Ephesians 4, excuse me, Ephesians 2.14 says this, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Wow. 
That's why we're called one city. Revival cannot come to a divided church. Revival cannot come to a divided people. This may sound wrong and please forgive me if it, it you know, you have to measure your words in this kind of arena. And, 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 and so just try to give me the liberty here. Karen and I, we're not trying to be politically correct. We're not trying to be woke. We're not trying to be anything other than have the heart of God. And the heart of God absolutely hates it when his people are divided. And the heart of God just wants every single person to be valued that they were created in the image of God. And that every single person is a son or a daughter. And that every single person deserves all of God's goodness. See, peace, and I know you've probably heard this before, but it bears repeating. Peace is the presence of a person, not the absence of problems. Peace is the presence of a person, not the absence of problems. And so the scripture tells us he is peace. So watch this. He prioritizes peace. He provides peace. He protects peace. He preserves peace and he promotes peace. It's the most repeated phrase in all the Bible. Peace be with you. Shalom be with you. And then he says, and of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. See, the increase of his government is the increase of his rule. Most of the time we're afraid of the word rule. I'm not afraid of someone ruling over me when they are the wonderful counselor, the the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. Uh, When they are a good, good father, I want to be under their rule. So his rule increases his peace. Now watch this. Going in, studying the word shalom, both in the Hebrew and the Greek, Peace means join together what was broken. Let me say that again. Peace means join together what was broken. So watch this. We were created in the Garden of Eden before sin. We were created good and connected. After sin, we long to be restored to good and reconnected. See, peace means restoration, but watch and abundance. See, he never just wants to restore you to where you were. He wants to restore you to the fullness of his promise for you. Wow. Peace means well-being and wholeness. So his rule increases his peace. His rule increases his purpose. See, he's reconciling all things to himself. And then his rule increases his power. God gives us power to overcome evil with good. You're like, why is there so much evil in the world? Because there's not enough good. Stop blaming the world for being the world. Stop blaming darkness for being darkness. Stop blaming sinful people for being sinful people. Just increase the light and darkness will go away. Increase love and hate will go away. God gives us power, watch, to live as peacemakers. We make peace where there was no peace. And not only are we peacemakers, we're peacekeepers. 
So why is evil increasing? Why is pain increasing? Because it's hard to be a peacemaker if you don't have peace. So stop striving for your peace. Stop trying to get your peace with the right job and the right budget and the right set of accommodations. Those are blessings. I believe God even wants you to have the blessings. But if you have the blessings without the blessed one, one of the most dangerous things in all the Bible is the word success. Success kills people that don't have the heart of God. You ever seen a young athlete or a young singer that their competency is so much greater than their character? And their competency gives them a level of success that their character can't handle? See, peace must be personal before it's practical. And what I mean by that personal, it's relational. And then once you have the person of peace, you work out what peace looks like on a practical level. See, justice, now when you think of the word justice, what do you typically think? That, and, and you think some like, well, we got, you know, justice needs to be served, and so therefore we got to discipline this person. We got to make sure justice is paid for. Did you realize justice is positive before it's negative? Justice simply means doing the right thing. You know what God does? Sometimes when we, in our sinfulness, God does the right thing and gives us mercy when we deserve punishment. Sometimes in our imperfection, in our selfishness, in our stupid choices, we deserve discipline. We deserve consequences. We deserve some type of punishment, but he gives us mercy and grace. See, there's an element of justice, yes, that he disciplines those whom he loves for our good that we might share in his holiness. And, and no discipline in the moment is joyful, but rather it's sorrowful. But those who've been trained by it yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So what is God's definition of success for you? What is divine alignment for you in 2023? I want to ask you to create a goal in these five areas of your life. Number one is your spiritual life. And listen to this. It's growing or it's compromised. One or the, one of, one of the other. Neutral does not exist, okay? So your spiritual life, it's growing or it's compromised. Number two, your physical life. Is it healthy or unhealthy? I'm not going to try to tell you what diet to pick. You do that, okay? All I know is I got to have one. <laughs> Your family life, is it fulfilling or dysfunctional? It's moving toward one or the other. Your social life, is it encouraging or discouraging? Your work life, is it rewarding or underachieving? Now listen, 
you are only as healthy as your habits. Now, let me say it this way. You're only as holy as your habits. And if nothing changes, nothing changes. And so if you don't improve some habits, if you don't change some habits, then whatever you did in 2022, you'll likely repeat in 2023. I've told you this before, but there's a lot of science out there about habits. And we use this terminology that we need to break a bad habit. Really, honestly, the truth is you don't really break a bad habit as much as you do you replace a bad habit. You replace a bad habit with a good habit. And then if the good habit disappears, the bad habit reappears. All right. And so what habits do you need to start or improve in your spiritual life? And at one city, we just call it the big four. Worship, friendship, leadership, stewardship. Now, I can break that down more. But just here's the thing. If you have private and public worship, you're sowing good things. Therefore, you're going to reap good things. Friendship. If you, you know, we talk about the five foundations of friendship. If you'll encourage one another daily, inspire one another love and good deeds. If you will restore one another in a spirit of gentleness. All right. If you'll carry one another's burdens. And if you'll live for one another's progress and join the faith. Oh my word. You are sowing some amazing things in the world of friendship. And you'll reap some amazing things in the world of friendship. And so leadership, what does that simply mean? You go, I don't know that I see myself as a leader. Everyone is a leader in the sense that everyone has influence and you determine whether your influence is good or bad. And everyone has God-given talents. And then it's our responsibility to take the talents, turn them into strengths, turn them into skills. And then everyone has the spirit of God in their life and we can have the gifts of God operational in our life. So leadership. And then there's stewardship. You know, you've, you've heard it, time, talents, treasures. How do you be a steward of your time, your talents, and your treasures for the good of God? Number two, what habits do you need to start or improve in your physical life? I'm just going to use the term diet exercise. You choose that. All right. Um, enough said. Number three, what habits do you need to start or improve in your family life? Now, listen to this. The best way to love your family is to love Jesus. I talk to so many people that when they get busy, they start cutting the God things out of their life. That doesn't make any sense. Stop trying to love Jesus part time. Do you want to be loved part time? You know, like, Karen, thank you so much for loving me part time. <laughs> Doesn't work. You know, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. You will not love more or better without Jesus. You won't love more or you won't love better without him. You'll love worse. All right, let's talk about parenting. Most everything is more caught than taught. So let's ask this question. What habits are your children, even if they're adults, are they witnessing? What habits are they catching? Mark and Annika, I can't guarantee 
what level of faithfulness they have in their priority time. But they know in the depth of their soul that they will benefit from spending a daily unhurried time with God in the word and prayer. I know they'll, at whatever level they're doing it or not doing it, I know it's planted in the depth of their soul. Let me give you a couple recommendations. All right, worship. What if you just made a commitment? All right, I'm going to prioritize 40 Sundays next year. That means you miss 12. That means you attend three times a month. And you go, no big deal. Uh, the average church attendee in America is 17 times a year. You don't attend church for you what you can receive. You attend church for what you can give. Don't just come to receive. Come to, you're not, a, you're coming to a family dinner. You're coming to a family gathering. You're coming to be with family when you're not here. Family misses you. Friendship, we have dinner groups. A dinner group meets twice a month. There's anywhere from 10 to 15 people in a dinner group. If you were to have dinner with a group of people 20 to 24 times a year, you're going to build some friendships. It's that simple. Friendships make you or break you. Friendships determine the direction and quality of your life. Leadership. Be a difference maker. Don't be a sitter be a server. Don't be a consumer, be a contributor. Especially when we move into the new building, honestly, like we're going to have to trust how God's going to work this out. We need all of you to serve, but we also need some people to be in the room so that when new people come, there's like people there. All right. Stewardship. Embrace time, talents, and treasures. Well, here's what I'm saying in the new year. If you'll cultivate good soil, if you'll sow a seed, you'll reap a harvest. God has to be true to the plan he created. All right, I'm going to get through this real quick because I promised I would. What habits do you need to start or improve in your social life? That's friendship. Now, listen, friendship inspires faithfulness or faithlessness. Friendship inspires faithfulness. You cannot, do not believe the American lie. You cannot do this by yourself. All right? Connection happens with commitment, not convenience. And then like, how many great friends do you have? You ever find yourself complaining? Well, I, mean, you know, well, I wish they'd do that. And then go, how many people are you a great friend to? Treat others the way you want to be treated and you'll have great friendships. Some people have different levels of brokenness and honestly, they can't return to you what you can give to them at this moment. Hey, you're going to have those moments. Fine. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Lastly, what habits do you need to start or improve in your work life? Scripture says, do everything in excellence unto the Lord. So in your work life, what if you did this? You picked one specific way you're going to be a servant leader. You're just going to serve 
maybe your teammates. You're going to serve your employees. You're going to serve your customers. You're going to go above and beyond in some way that maybe you're not asked to do. Number two, be an encourager. People need encouragement. This world is full of discouragement. When you encourage people, describe their initiative, their investment, and their impact. When you encourage someone, hey, how did they initiate something? What's their investment in this? What impact are they making? And then lastly, be a blessing. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. I call it deliver the wow. Once a month, bless someone in such an extraordinary way that you deliver the wow. What if we did that? What if we had testimonies this time next year of people coming and just going, wow, this person served me, encouraged me, and blessed me, and that's why I'm here. Lastly, here's how we do this. Four steps to having at least one goal in these five categories. I encourage you, and and Karen, let's um, in the e-news put maybe a link to, so I can give you an example of how I do this. There's a category, here's my envisioned future, you know, for my spiritual life. Here's my envisioned future for my physical life. And you just write less than three sentences, okay? And then you go, kind of here's the purpose statement. Here's the why behind the what. Here's why I want to do that. But number three is most important. Here's my current reality. This is where you got to be brutally honest. If you don't describe your current reality, you might set a goal that's unattainable, that's too great, that's too big, that's too far out. If you describe your current reality, then you can set a realistic goal. And then last, once you do that, make specific commitments. Now, here's the deal. Two-thirds of these goals, in all probability, you will not achieve. Don't sweat it. Big deal. Focus on the two-thirds that you did achieve, because if you didn't write down, you probably wouldn't achieve the two-thirds. The promise of Christmas lives beyond Christmas. And through these five categories, you are inviting the wonderful counselor into your life. You are inviting the mighty God into your life. You are inviting the everlasting Father into your life. And you are inviting the Prince of Peace into your life in a way that is very practical, in a way that will make a difference in your life, in a way that will make a difference in the lives of others, in a way that when you come to next Christmas, you'll be so grateful for the harvest that God has produced through your life. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, share it with a friend. And be sure to subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single episode. Join our movement and help us to prove that love works. You can give towards our mission at onecitymemphis.org.